Hello, everyone. Alexis for Personal <laughs> Project, and I'm into you. Like, did you think I was gonna do something else? Oh did my you not god! You gonna give me rules, and you think I'm just gonna follow what? This is a story about good vibes ushered in by soulful mixes and trap beats. About a group of friends coming together to make something special, something different and about the challenges they came across along the way. Hey y'all, I'm Alexis. Welcome to the First Year Project, the podcast highlighting the good, the bad, and the integral aspects of the first year experience. Stay tuned. You're not rocking with DJ Native Sun, y'all. Beat house. This is Malcolm J. Great for Collective Boston. I'm here with Alexis of First Year Project. Pulse guru and lover of the culture, Malcolm is one of the members of the Boston-based music and cultural collective called Collective Boston. The collective houses good vibes for the city and beyond with its monthly day party titled The Wave, which recently won the group Best of Boston's Best Dance Party of 2015. Tune in as we talk about how the collective got its start and the challenges that came across in their process. So, Malcolm, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What do you do and why do you do it? Uh, I would say I'm a connector. Um, you know, I think within the event space, um, I just really enjoy something about bringing people together. Um, and, you know, good times. I think... Uh, Loving, loving music the way I have since I was a kid, it was just natural for me to, you know, be in music in some kind of form, whether it's a concert, whether it's a party, whether it's, you know, whatever I do. Um, but I would say a connector within the entertainment space. And is your love for it just because that's kind of how you were brought up or where did you really get your... Where did you get your why? I wish you could see Malcolm right now sipping his tea. <laughs> it's, it's cold outside. It is. So, it actually is really chilly. We're in LA right now. It's a cool 65 in LA. And I honestly, I feel really disrespected because I paid a lot of money to come out here and it's not supposed to be cold. That's crazy. I feel bad for you. I know. Maybe JetBlue should give you your money back. They should. I didn't go on JetBlue. Oh, that's why it's cold. Why? If you paid the extra JetBlue, <laughs> it would probably be nice outside right now. Why? I should probably blame you for it? this. Why music, Malcolm? Why music? Uh, yeah, um, mine is from Trinidad. I was mm-hmm. born there too. Um, and just being, you know, from the Caribbean, every Saturday morning you got this ritual of cleaning the whole house. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So my dad would play soca, they play calypso, they play reggae, they play like old soul, like so I'm hearing this stuff all the time. My dad was always into like great speaker systems and all that kind of stuff. So he's always nice. met buying new speakers, wiring it through the house. He's been doing that his whole life. And he's always loved music. You know what I mean? So I was a part of that. You know, I'm definitely a product of that. Um, 
And in the in the old days, in the nineties, you know what I'm saying? When are, I was coming, are we up, calling the nineties the, the the old days now? That's scary. <laughs> I suppose you know what I mean. The golden era <laughs> of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I um, I remember my dad was part of like Columbia House. Do you know what Columbia House is? I don't. What's Columbia House? So it's House? like those. They used to send like these old like catalogs to your crib hmm. with like a bunch of CDs that were coming out, and you get a CD for like ninety nine cents, but you had to pay to be a member. That's crazy. Right? So I remember getting my first CDs from Columbia House. So, you know, since then, uh, the first cassette I ever bought was a single MC Light, I Rock the Party. Really? Yeah, that was the first joint I had. Why that? I don't know. It was the jam. Why not? You know what I'm saying? This is true. You know what I mean? And the first CDs I got, damn, it was two of them. It was um, DMX, Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood, Jay-Z's Volume 2. I know something else, some other random shit. It might have been like Avant or some shit like that. But, oh, oh, oh can I swear on this? Yes, you I, can. Cool, cool, cool. But yeah, I don't know. I've just been around, you know what I mean, exposed to all different types of music. So it's interesting. Very dope. Now, in terms of upbringing, like what community are you from and how has it like influenced kind of the work that you do or who you are today? What do you mean by community? Like neighborhood, also like residents. Mm. Man, so I moved to America from Trinidad when I was two. Okay. Uh, moved in with my grandmother, or my mom and dad, of course, and uh, moved to my grandmother's crib at Calendar Street in Dorchester. How? I think I had some family who used to live on Calendar Street. Wow, that's probably why we left. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, right? Um. <laughs> this is going to be an exciting This is I'm sharp. Um, yeah, it was there for like, damn, from like two to like four, five. Mm-hmm. Went to Moose Fairlawn and Mattapan for a little bit. Then I spent like from six years old to like 13 in Georgetown and High Park. I grew up uh, a lot of my formative years were there. Wow. And then after that, uh, we moved to Rosendale, which is where my parents live now. Very dope. Yeah. And how do you feel as if like your actual community, like where you lived, where you went to school, if you did go to school in that community, how do you feel like it influenced who you've kind of turned into today? Man, it, it was interesting because like, you know, growing up in Rosendale, I was kind of, you know, in Georgetown, I had mad homies. Mm. We played ball and did everything all the time. Mm-hmm. In Rosendale, not so much. I was getting a little more involved in high school. And, um, you know, I had homies that I would play basketball with, go up the street, like play football. But and that was really it. Nothing too too crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I had homies from uh, other high schools that I knew through mutual friends and stuff I would kick it with. But, um, yeah, I actually went to high school in Roxbury. Um, so there was like a disconnect, I guess, with my neighborhood. Mm. Um, so, I don't know, it's interesting. So I just kick with my high school friends most of the time. Interesting. And, like, did they kind of, I guess – help you develop or help you kind of fall in love with like the hip hop culture? I think it was just a natural fit. You got black kids in the city. Just, you're just drawn to that. What I think was interesting about me being little, um, when I was growing up in Georgetown between six and 13, Mm -hmm. I didn't have a BET. Our cable subscription package didn't have BET. So all I had was MTV. So I think it was interesting in terms of my taste and my ear for music that Mm -hmm. I'm exposed to the Nirvana's, the sound 
sound gardens, you know what I mean? The the stuff like that, the show of crows mixed in with whatever hip hop MTV played. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to watch like the basement or rap city That's until I was like 14, 15, because we didn't have that cable package. Yeah. I only got to watch that when I went to grandma's crib in Dorchester, which mm-hmm. uh, you know, somebody here ruined for me. So <laughs> um yeah, it was cool. You're a clown. <laughs> Uh, so you're the, one of the members of Collective Boston. Yep. How did all that come about? Mm. I remember, uh, man, my homie Reggie, who throws events, and let's go back. Damn, what summer is that? Uh, is that 2012? Shit. I don't have a 2013. My homie Reggie was telling me about, uh, he wanted me to help him promote, not a promoter by mm-hmm. any means, but he was like, yo, man, invite some people out, da da da, split this bread, whatever. Uh, he threw this, this day party in Quincy at this little venue. And uh, one of the DJs that he had was uh, Young Paul. And I remember Paul was spinning. And I was like, yo, I never heard a DJ like this because mm-hmm. he was playing stuff that I like really fuck with. Like he did some like transition and played NERD. And I was like, whoa, I never heard NERD out, especially yeah. black people around. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I like talked to him and like whatever. We like exchanged info and shit. And then maybe like a couple months later, um, he told me about uh, Collective. It was like, yeah, we threw we threw a party. Um, we threw a party like every couple of months. It was cool. And they were throwing a party at Good Life. Uh, and it just happened to be like around the week of my birthday. So I was like, all right, so all my homies, we're going to go to this. This is going to be my birthday party. We're going to go to Collective and Mob Out. Nice. And it was, it was dope. It was popping. And then after that, you know, Paul set up meetings and he started, you know, building the crew. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Brock Kibian, Sean Looms, uh, Brian. And yeah, I, I knew Ray from some other stuff before. Um, so yeah, it, it was just cool. And then, you know, had a bunch of meetings, kicked it, and then the wave was born. This sounds like the way that you describe it, it sounds very easy. But what, what were some of the challenges that kind of came with the whole process? Or what was the whole process like for all of you? I think, um, you know, when you, I mean, I would say I, I never knew Brian or Kibby mm-hmm. or Looms before, right? But I knew Sean from just, you know, growing up in Boston, going to like exam schools, you're going to see people. Yeah. We have mutual, and he's Nigerian, so we got mad mutual friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I worked with Ray on some other stuff before. So, like, you get in personalities in the room that, you know, you got to learn each other's working styles yeah. and, and strengths and weaknesses. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, you know, just dealing with that and learning how to work in a group of people you've never worked with before. That's, there's always challenges there. And I think, um, once we like figured out what we were all about and the things we were trying to do, Mm -hmm. it kind of just started flowing well. And, um, you know, we were trying to do something for Boston because it got to a point where Boston's nightlife is just like lost. It's like the same shit. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, we're gonna pay this 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 <laughs> hold on. I gotta I wanna say this the right way. Mm, we'll say it like this. Okay. Boston didn't have we wanted to provide something to Boston that it didn't have, right? Mm-hmm. At that time there were no day parties. I agree. Period. There mm-hmm. were especially there was maybe one some random ones, but like a recurring monthly or whatever day party, mm-hmm. there wasn't any. Right. I'm like, all right, we should do a day party. This is tight. 
right? Boom. But what, what kind of vibes that we want? You know what I'm saying? And we decided to make the day party about music and DJs. We want to bring out DJs that we love, that we saw on SoundCloud, that we did saw in all these other spaces that would never come to Boston because nobody's thinking to really bring them here. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And it was also, you know, it started off with just doing something for our homies. You know what I mean? We get a good DJ. The wave is based on music. It's based on music curation. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to come to the wave and hear the same set every time. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can, we're going to bring a house DJ. We're going to bring a, a turntablist. We're going to bring all these different vibes to you to expose us and our friends to new shit. You know what I mean? And it's always been about that. And it's still about that. You know what I mean? And it's also been, you know, giving Boston DJs who we think are talented that aren't playing like the same hip hop and R&B playlist. Yeah. Other opportunities and exposing them to a new audience. Because you go to the clubs Friday, Saturday night, you want to hear the same shit. Depending top on where 40, you go. You know what I'm saying? Playlist. You hear top 40 or you're going to hear that same ratchet set. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like if you come to a wave, the headline DJ ain't going to play the same set. Every month to month, mm-hmm. and that's that was that was very important to us when it came to that. So I, it's finding a way we needed to find a place to do it. Yeah, finding a budget to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And just you know, seeing what happened from there. If someone right, if they if they haven't been to the way before, mm-hmm. um, many of my listeners don't live in Boston. Some of them do not live in the United States. Um, you outside of really good music, I cannot stand you. <laughs> you got international listeners? Damn. Yeah, we, we have a few. Shit. Okay. Outside. Like Canada or like? Like Thailand, oh, Poland, shit. UK. Yeah. Do you put like a translation script under somewhere? Like, we don't. Wow. That's a good idea though. I am just saying. Very true. Mm. If they were to come into the wave, mm-hmm. let's say 7 p.m., right? What Lit hours. What yeah. would the vibe look like? like? Like, what would they see? We already kind of know a little bit of what they would hear, but, like, yeah, like, like, like how, how does it feel? What's interesting about the wave is that it's as much as we try to make it a little different or mm-hmm. pace it a little better in the beginning, it's always, like, 4 to 5, it's slow. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? What's the nature of every party? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? 4 to 5, you got your same people that always show up early. 5 to 6, I you really starting to see what this wave is going to be like um, in terms of, like, just people in general. And then since 6 and 7 is when we get most of our traffic coming in. 7 o'clock is, like, prime time to hit the wave. Yeah. Because it's gonna be usually as full as it will be mm-hmm. at that time and you know the, the interesting thing is depending on the season whether it's summer or like getting towards fall yeah as it gets darker people get wilder and you know just let loose mm-hmm. and they have a good time so you know we try to set it to a place where you know the earlier vibes are cool you know get accustomed, talk to somebody you know, and then the middle set is kind of like, all right, we're getting ready. You know what I'm saying? Let's mm-hmm. let's turn the notch up a little bit. And then the, the closing set is like, all right, we're just all out rage. Yeah. You know what I mean? And having a good time. So I actually went to my first wave in 2014. I think you guys were already around for about a year or so. Okay. And I was moving, I'm from Boston, but I was moving back from Los Angeles. What part of Boston are you from? I'm from Dorchester. Can I even ask you a question? Is that how this works? Is this like a conversation or This is a conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. What part of Dorchester? Uh, Common Square, like Ashmont. Okay. Oh, I used to be in this like uh, peer leadership program around there. Nice. Where was the program? <sighs> Shit, to Moody Street near Unity. Hmm. Okay, it, I know the area. It was a program called Teens Against Gang Violence, so... 
Very dope. My high school years, yeah. Spent my afternoons uh, volunteering with at-risk youth like myself. <laughs> Why are you talking like that right now? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just about it. Um, but back to my story. I So I had gone to college at BU, So and, I, and I'm raised in Boston. So I kind of already had my own thoughts and opinions about, like, the, the nightlife and the social scene. Yeah. And when you're in school, like, it's a lot different because, you know, you're creating your own vibes. And, you know, with mm-hmm. the house parties and the things sure. that are just already set for college students, it kind of livens it up. Yeah. But, um... I already knew that, like, Boston Nightlife was, honestly, it just wasn't meeting the needs. Very, very basic for, like, New York City types of cost, and that would just blow my mind all the time. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting, because, you know, what blows my mind is that I think Instagram and shit like that, it's it's the same formula everywhere. It's like, all right, we're going to pay this girl who has 60,000 followers on Instagram her job is a is a is a waitress. She's a bottle girl in her hometown. Mm-hmm. We're gonna fly her out. <laughs> she's a waitress. She's a, she's a bottle girl in her hometown. That's her job. But okay. she's popping. So you know what I'm saying? Oh, she got 60k followers. We're gonna fly her out to Boston. Put her up in a hotel room, right? Mm-hmm. And we're gonna say you you're gonna host our event. Hmm. I didn't know that was the formula. So now. The girl who gets paid to bring drinks is getting paid to drink the drinks mm-hmm. out of town. That's crazy. And because you have 60K followers and you'll be, be on stage, untouchable by, by the commoners, yeah. right? Yeah. You'll be tucked in the back next to the DJ booth somewhere enjoying your life. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't understand that. I don't understand that model. I don't understand what that brings to culture. I don't understand how that's a quality experience. Like people going out to say, oh, I'm about to, oh, oh, whatever her name's at this place tonight. Ah, it's about to be lit. Like, I don't understand that mindset. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm washed. I could be washed. That's cool. Sometimes you don't know you washed when you wash. I don't think you're washed. But, well, thank you. I, I think other things about you, but I don't think you're washed. Uh, fair, fair, fair. fair. <laughs> uh, you, you, you deserve that one. Cool, <laughs> cool, you. cool. Um, but yeah, like, I think it's, I just, I don't, but then again, is Boston's demographic basic? That's why, what I'm trying so, to think. So why do you think Boston is that way? Because uh, if people are still doing it and True. people are still going. Honestly, you know that, I mean? that's like, the biggest thing. Like, like if there were more people who were just like, no, like, this is not really my thing, they would have to switch up because the dollar is like, period. But I think a lot of promotion, you know, promoters in general are just in it to make money. Very true. Pretty much. Like, you charge me $20 to hear the same fucking playlist I can hear anywhere. I can go to the crib and make a better playlist. Mm-hmm. But I'm out. I'm spending $20 to get in this joint. I got to wear the dress code in Boston, by the way. It's absurd. It's the dumbest shit ever. You telling me, right? Let's run through it. You going you gonna to tell me that. Sorry, we getting off topic. I no, no. This is this is on it. I love Boston. I, I do. do, too. I do. That's, I have a love for it. This is why I feature a lot of folks from Boston. I have feelings for it, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I think, like, it's, it's just so many structural things wrong with the nightlife. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That it's just, like, there's a lot of things that need to change. Like, happy hour alone is crazy. Yeah. They outlawed it, what, 1984? I think they outlawed happy hour? Before I was born. Yeah, that's correct. Me, too. It's crazy. And it, and it just doesn't make any sense it, at this time now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. why doesn't Boston have happy hour for some shit that happened 40 years ago? Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. That don't make no sense. Um, 
Dress code. We're talking about and it, no, dress but shoes. in dress code, it's like you can. You telling me that I can't walk in. I can have like a nice little clean outfit on, mm-hmm. but I got sneakers, or and I don't have a collar shirt that I can't. get. I don't deserve to party. But some dude can go to Payless, get some like some shoes on for twenty dollars. You know what I'm saying? Not to throw on Payless, throw on a yes. baggy ass. Well, not you know, for sure. But I'm saying like you're gonna you're not gonna let somebody in that that looks good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Clean has nice stuff on, but mm-hmm. because they don't have a collared shirt and like and shoes that they can't party mm-hmm. what is it what is this mindset of all black dudes <laughs> if a black dude is wearing a pair of sneakers and a t-shirt he's more likely to cause trouble yeah like well, you gotta think about what is what is the what is the reasoning behind, behind that mm-hmm. do you know what i'm saying yeah what's the reasoning behind it? is it for like a, a a level of quality of people that are in the place like come on you in some real ragged muffins in your spot bro like i don't Absolutely. understand you know what i'm saying i seen motherfucker no shit i mean let me not say that no but, let's get no, into no, 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 it no 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 but i'm saying like just because i got a polo on if i'm if i'm from hood just because I got a polo on doesn't mean I'm I'm less likely to fight. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. It's stupid. Mm-hmm. And the amount of people that got shot and lost their lives, you know what I'm saying, outside of a club yeah. that they dressed up to go to. You Very know what I'm saying? True. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's all about the how you promote something. And that's period. That's marketing. That's branding. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And that's the kind of people you draw. So at the way... When it comes to things, we we don't we're not putting a video vixen on our flyers for what yeah. she ain't coming. <laughs> what she want to fly for? Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We ain't. It's, that's that's a whole different type of vibe. That's I feel like that's the easy way out. How do you how do you all go about actually like creating the culture in the community that is at the wave? Because even when I go to waves now, mm-hmm. like they're clearly like there are some folks who have been going to it from the beginning and some who have just you know kind of just started going but it still has the same very like authentic sort of vibe and community so how how does one go about building that well i feel like it's you know it's built off of it's an extension of us you know what i mean how we are as people in terms of the collective you know we're all like pretty chill creative like just cool people that like cool shit and we just want to bring out more people like that. Like you look at our flyers, Paul designs all of our flyers and the branding is very like, it's like artistic or we started off with like, you know, the beach sunsets, that kind of stuff, obviously the wave. Waves. But, yeah. But now, you know, as we, as we, um, uh, you know, progress, um, Paul's taking more risks, just creating art pieces and then using that as a background of the flyer, little mm-hmm. things like that. And just, it's, you just know that, um, it's it's not focused on any kind of misleading. You put a chick on your flyer, you're listening lust. You're 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 targeting. A, you're trying to appeal to a certain type of person. Yeah, which is a certain type of person that I right, I need a girl like that. I right, I'm about to buy a table. We about to be lit. All these girls about to come through that look like that. Mm-hmm. But at the way, if it's, you see the artist names, you see a vibe. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. we try to create a vibe through everything that we put out and everything that we do. And I think um. You know, the first wave, it was just us and homies out. We texted, you know what I'm saying, to come through. Because um, we didn't have no following at that point. And this was in 2013, correct? Yeah. Very dope. Yeah, wow. Shit. Mm-hmm. It's almost three years ago. God mm-hmm. damn. Um, no. It was uh, 2000 and... No. No, 2014, I want to say. Whatever. Anyway, it was, it was a while ago. Okay. Um, but the first one, like, we probably had, like, 75 people come up. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was all fam. It was all love. It was homies. And we just kind of built from that. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, yeah, it's just been a dope ride so far. 
Where does the the name come from? The wave. How did that come about? Uh, oh, that's a tough one. Well, from our initial, I want to say, I don't know. I think it was Sean. I think it was, I don't know what led. But anyway, we were just brainstorming names for the party. Mm-hmm. And um, I know me and Sean were like big fans of Max B. Still are, but it came from that. You know what I mean? Our love of Max B in the Got way. Got it. Like, pretty like much. Wavy, yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, if you. That's crazy. That's really interesting, actually. If you look at, oh, man, some of our first custom drink menus, Max B was a drink on it. Oh, wow. It was like Hennessy Coke and like simple syrup or some shit like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? It just came from that. And then, you know, we, we, we're not going to do. So for branding purposes, we're, all right, so Max B, the wave might have came from Max B. Yeah. But we're not going to give you like a hip hop flyer. We're not going to mm-hmm. put Max B all over this shit. You know what I'm saying? It's going to be like, all right, double entendre. Cool. We're going to do like just vibes. What's, what feels better than a beautiful beach day? Do you know what I'm saying? Especially in Boston. You know what I'm saying? It's 30 degrees and snowing. Damn. You just got real dark, man. You <laughs> have to go there. It's like springtime over here, girl. You better stop. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it came from that. Um, and, and this thing is like we're all inspired by a bunch of different things. So we all have these different perspectives on everything that we put out. What, what would you say that you're inspired by? Everything I can I can really go into that corner conference room and looking at the Hollywood sign like it don't hit you automatically, but you may be going somewhere later and then an idea pops into your head. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Views, um, music, movies, you know, books, just like everything. You know what I mean? Conversations, more, more importantly. I think talking to my homies, man, just, you know, I got a bunch of homies I talk to about a lot of different shit mm. and just talk, listen to the things that they go through and how they look at the world is like, damn, okay, I see it. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Very doubt. I think it's very easy to be in, inspired. But I think being, like, creative, um, you go through cycles. You know what I mean? There's times where, you know, and it's the nature of everything. Even with the wave, there were some months where it's just like, damn, we don't even know, like, who will be perfect for this? Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like who would be perfect to, yeah, yeah. Who would be perfect to DJ? What kind of ideas? What kind of new things are we trying to do? Mm-hmm. And myself, like, I know I'll go through periods where I'm just working aggressively at everything for, like, six weeks straight. And then I'll just take two weeks where I'm just drained and I just don't want to do anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think it's very cyclical in that nature, which is creativity. But I don't know. How do you work through those, I guess, like, ebbs and flows of for two weeks for example, being like, I can't do any more, and I'm done right it, now. You know, it, it, you, you, you get the basics done, and then you just kind of, like, kick it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I think you need those moments to be inspired, because when I'm aggressively working at something, um, you know, I'm just all about it all the time, 24-7. But when you get those two weeks, for example, to, like, just peel back a little bit, you mm-hmm. just you reevaluate, you reassess, and you reflect, and you take a step back and look at things, you know, from a higher view and see what really makes sense and, you know, just try to be better. Okay. You mentioned before that everyone kind of brings their own flair and their own, like, creativity to the group. If mm-hmm. you could break it down, like, I do this, Kibby does this, how, how would you break down Collective Boston? You want, like, a stat sheet? I can give you, like, what we all bring to it. In terms of like our chemistry, I don't know if I can say like. Well, we, I can do that too. Okay. Um, where would you both. like me to start? Wherever you want to start. Very demanding. Um, 
by the way. Character. I, that's just why I'm sure I Andrea know knows with how demanding you are. Shout out to Andrea. She, she wants to be sleeping right now with you guys pictures taking right pictures. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Andrea has her tea. She's good to go. She's good to go. Um, Break down stat sheet. Man, where do I start? Don't hmm. start with yourself. Oh man, it's the worst. All right, uh, me. <laughs> I'm kind of. I'm the events guy. I book all the DJs. Oh wow. Um, I um, brainstorm a lot of concepts. Uh, work with you know just. I'm always out there searching for new talent. That's just part of me in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I'm always looking for new DJs, finding new DJs, and you know, I'm like the. Damn, I feel like I'm the I'm part of the, the glue that mm. holds things together for sure. What do you mean by that? Um, I think just my personality in general. I've always been like like a connector, but I've always been able to see all the sides of a situation. Okay, and I I can understand and relate to almost anyone. Mm. Um, so I think that works well, especially working in large groups or like well, seven people for something like this is kind of a lot. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of input from everyone. So just trying to like listen to what everybody's saying and not uh, being distracted by um, all the like the little things that come up in the middle and keeping the focus on the end result. Okay. So I think I'm good at that. And what about the other folks? So Paul. Paul is like, he's the OG, man. Paul is the... The founder. So it's kind of mm. like, you know, he brings a lot of ideas to the table. He, he runs a lot of a lot of things happen um, through Paul. Um, you know, a lot of us all I think what, what helped the way grow so well is that all of us were doing different things individually. And we all had like our connections and followings and friends. And then when we all came together, all those just came into one place. Mm, I see what you're saying. So it just made everything seem a lot, makes it a lot easier than maybe it would have been for somebody starting off without any kind of exposure mm-hmm. to anything. Um, yeah, but Paul's like, yeah, he's a good, like, he's a good assist man. He's like, he's running, he's a point guard, I would say. He was the first uh, member from Collective Boston, actually, who I had like an extensive conversation about the wave and like just about like, I guess, the kind of the state that Boston is in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, yeah, shout out to Paul. And Paul. Uh, and you have Brian. Mm-hmm. He's Big Bear. He's our comic relief. He's also a DJ too, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. unintentionally because we kind of just make fun of him. He's not trying to uh, <laughs> be the funny one. <laughs> mm. But if all else fails, we get an argument about something. I would just make a big bear joke and we move on. Okay, uh, that's helpful. You need, yeah. you need, you need that right. Sometimes. You always need a good punchline. No, I'm just playing. Brian is man. He's so integral to a lot of stuff. Like he does it. He can do everything. He's our tech guy. He runs all the tech for all of our events. Oh he, wow. Whether it comes from, and he has a lot of good relationships as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he helps us think bigger about things, and he'll he does everything, man. Like when we need to pick up an artist, like or do whatever, like just get stuff done. Um, I think a lot of everybody in the crew are we're all problem solvers. We're not nobody's just agonizing over your phone, your laptop about to die. That's okay. Okay. So you got out here working. You, got, you can use words. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm Jesus. so over How much is she paying you for this shit? <laughs> God damn. Um, <laughs> but Brian, yeah, he he just does everything. Um, 
Too late. No, we can keep going. Go ahead. Kibby, uh, she's, man, she's the only girl in the, in the squad. Oh, my goodness. She, I've talked to Kibby before, too. She she brings a lot of balance and, like, always makes us. I mean, you got six dudes thinking, like, oh, yeah, this is going to be tight. And they're yeah. like, oh, wait, guys. Uh, I don't know if the girls at the Wave would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Not that we try to do anything wild, but she always, you know, gives us the female aspect, which is very much needed. Mm-hmm. And she's a hell of a writer. And uh, she... Gives us a lot of great ideas in terms of content and, you know, just getting things done. And as part of the gel of the group, she holds it all together as well. Very dope. Very dope. Um, who else is there? There's Ray. Yeah. Ray's like. He's another co-founder. Man, there's so many people. Fuck. Y'all are like a Wu-Tang Clan. Yeah. Which member am I? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that right No, I now. think you need to answer no, that. No, I don't. Focus. Ray. <laughs> It's like you want to be ODB, but you don't want to be ODB. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. you can be Method Man. Maybe Method Man would be tight. I would actually low-key agree with that. But there's also about 15 million members in the Wu-Tang Clan, so I don't know all I'm talking them. about like core. Like got anybody it. that was on Triumph, that's Wu-Tang to me. Got it, got it. You know what I'm saying? Ray. Um, yes, ma'am. Um, <laughs> but Ray... Uh, yeah, Ray is another founder. Mm-hmm. Um, I've known Ray for a while just through him being a photographer and doing different things. And he's always had an, an eye and, you know, ear for like cool shit. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's always bringing a really dope at perspective in terms of like when we're doing something at an event, um, just making sure it looks the best uh, to throwing great ideas in. He's had like a lot of last minute ideas that are just like, damn. Why didn't we think of this before? Mm. He's a quiet one. You know what I'm saying? But when he speaks, it's impactful. Interesting. You know what I'm saying? Then we got Sean. Sean's another photographer in the crew. Mm-hmm. Rager. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I cannot believe you called him Rager. No, no, he's a Rager. A Rager. Yes, okay. he has fun. Oh, God. Rager, no. I know. Well, honestly, Rager is pretty successful. Like, in his own way. <laughs> Literally. Clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Sean's... Another great photographer. He's also on the team. And yeah, he's always has good ideas. He keeps us uh, focused on, you know, he also understands he's a product of Boston. You know what I mean? Is everyone a product, product from Boston? Product mm, of Boston? No. I think me, Kibby, and Sean mm-hmm. are the only ones that grew up in Boston. Well, Paul technically grew up in Randolph. Yeah, I'll with, that with for, like Brian yeah. and um, Looms is from Worcester. Like we're all regional. That's okay, cool. Words, but but the th- the thing about growing up in Boston is, and me and Sean share a lot of the same high school experiences. We both went to exam schools. He went to Latin school. I went to Latin Academy. Mm-hmm. So like we have a lot of mutual friends, and we went through a lot of like similar things without knowing each other. Yeah, we went through a lot of similar things because we're both black kids going to exam schools coming up in Boston. Um, so he always adds that, and he understands the Boston nightlife scene mm-hmm. and why it sucks. So okay. you know what I mean. So he always has that perspective and making sure that we're just doing cool shit. Like we're not selling ourselves short. You know, he keeps the vision going forward. And then we got Looms, man. Looms is another photographer on the team. Owen, very nice guy. Yeah, Owen. <laughs> yeah, he's a really nice guy. Um, yeah, but he—he's cool. You had like cool. a creepy laugh when you said that. Thank you. <laughs> 
I've been working on like a bunch of different laughs. Really? Uh, like, yeah. Oh I got a few. I got like a good Hollywood industry laugh that I, I might bust out. A little okay. Bit. <laughs> we'll wait on it. I have like a good fake laugh too. It's pretty tight. Anyway. Yes. But I have like four creepy laughs, so I got to cut that down. But, yeah. Maybe, maybe three. Yeah, you saw that ones in the arsenal. Hard. I just don't know what one to phase out, but whatever. Um... <laughs> Looms, Owen, yeah, great photographer. Um, been a part of the fashion scene in Boston for a while, um, and he's just he just gets it like vision. You know what I'm saying? Um, and he he knows a lot of people as well. You know what I mean? And he's just experienced in like culture. You know what I mean? And he just a lot of great ideas, man. We're all out of we we all bring great ideas, but I think we never have like a lack of great ideas. That's awesome. It's just the ones that we can execute based yeah. on time, budget, and anything else. Mm-hmm. Um. So one thing that we always talk about on First Year Project is like a, about mistakes and thinking of mistakes as like necessary mm-hmm. parts of any process. Mm-hmm. So, in your opinion, what's one of the biggest mistakes? Um, you all like as a collective you think that you've made and kind of what what lesson did you uh take away from it i i think that um during our first year just trying to find a place to do the wave was probably one of our biggest growing pains you know when you're uh, a group of young black kids in boston trying to do a new event Mm -hmm. You don't really have those kind of looks like people aren't just running <laughs> to give you an opportunity. Um, so, you know, we talked to a couple of different venues, try to describe what we were trying to do. And mm-hmm. they were like, all right, if you want to do this, you got to pay this room rental fee. And I was like, oh, bro, like, that's not like, come on, like we can co-pro something like it don't got to be like that. But, you know. Uh, it, it was it was crazy. We didn't know what we were going to do. Like, we had to put in money just to be able to throw this one event that we might not even break even on. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know, through Paul having a great relationship with uh, DJ7L. Yes. And um, 7L talked to people in Middlesex, told, us what, told them what we were about, mm-hmm. and they decided to give us a shot. And two and a half years later, here we are. That's crazy. Why do you think it's so hard... For young people, especially young people of color, mm-hmm. to do really like innovative and new types of events in Boston. I think Boston has a old mentality. I think, um, but I do think a lot of it is brought upon ourselves as well. Mm. Um, what do you mean by that? Like you go to a, there's not like a there's not like a stabbing. Every time there's like a rap show in New York, <laughs> they're oh, used right. to rap shows. You know what I'm saying? Every time there's like it, like certain events in Boston, it's like, damn, this gonna be hood. hood mm. as like, why is it more dangerous to go to something in Boston than it, with, with black people than it is like in New York or cities like Atlanta? There's mm. a million black people there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're not worried about an incident all the time. That's just not how shit works. Do you think it's because of Boston's size? Because I'm sure, I, I mean, I don't know the stats in terms of New York and Atlanta, but I'm sure, I, I mean, I, I know that they still happen. For sure. But I think, uh, yeah, Boston's small. Yeah. And people with issues with each other see each other at all these events. Literally all of them. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like stuff always pops off and it, and, it, and it's tiring. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I think it, there's there was a bad stigma. I mean, there's a lot of gang stuff in the 90s in Boston, late 80s, early to mid 90s. Very true. You know what I'm saying? That gave young black youth, young black youth, that gave black youth a, a bad image mm-hmm. in Boston. And I think um, we're still recovering from that, which is weird because a lot of the black people in the city are educated. 
You know what I'm saying? We're in the Northeast where... Two-thirds of our population are young people between the ages of, like, I want to say 18 and, like, 33. Mm-hmm. And many of them are going to your Emerson's or BC's, yeah. should be used, right? They're all, most of them are college students. Them expensive schools. You know what I'm saying? Them paper, paper, paper. You, you feel me? Loans, um, loans. Talk about it. Mm. <laughs> Dre, no. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like it's so it's interesting, you know, that we no matter where you come from, you're still like this black kid from yeah. Boston. So mm-hmm. you need that shot. You need that chance. And, you know, after we proved ourselves after the first one. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's been there's never been there's been like maybe one fight within the wave and we deaded it ourselves. Like we jumped in and said, like, yo, y'all can't do that here. It's not the place for that. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. not. You're not gonna come in here and ruin everything we've been working to build. Like exactly. And it's interesting. I wish that I was younger now so I could experience a wave. You know what I mean? Like I didn't have the wave when I was graduating from college and moving back to Boston mm-hmm. from UMass. You know what I'm saying? I didn't have that. I had to go to the venues, the rumors and all those places to you know, go out, meet people, yeah. and be around people that look like me. And places also that don't necessarily have an accountability over a community of people. You know what I mean? Like for for the wave and for Collective Boston, I feel like there's a certain um, accountability over this is our community, this is our vibe. Yeah, you're like, not gonna come in here and exactly. fuck shit up. Like you like everybody that that's built this is standing in here. Literally. And people that have been coming to the wave, like they're not gonna you're not coming to the wave to wild out Mm-mm. and have drama, but that's also part of the branding and the marketing. We're not throwing that kind of event. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Hey, if you got a little naked chick on, on your flyer, all right, cool, you might get some drama in there, cool, but we're not bringing any of that energy to what we do. It's about the music. It's not about that's why there's no VIP. There's no tables that doesn't exist. Yeah. You can buy a bottle for like regular price. You can get a bottle of champagne for like a hundred dollars. <laughs> you know oh what I'm saying? Goodness. One of my friends bought a bottle of champagne. And, and it's and weird. And it's knowing it's a hundred dollars, I'm really like feeling some type of way about it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, it's weird. Like that's not a normal thing. Yeah. There. You know what I mean? So there's no there's no image. It's just like, all right, we're all in this room together, mm-hmm. listening to the same shit around the same people. Let's just you know what I mean? And the thing is, like, you go to the wave and you usually meet new people every time you go. So a friend of a friend or whatever. Would you say that Boston is a very collaborative city? <laughs> no. Why? I don't say that at all. <laughs> I think um, in terms of what, though? Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, I'm doing, I'm working on something, you're working on something. Let's see if we can work together. Yeah, I, well, I would say yes and no. You know what I mean? I think there's what I think is interesting about Boston is mm-hmm. people want, would want to work with you just because you're successful or mm-hmm. it seems like you're successful, not because it makes sense for both of your brand. Or like the mission or like exactly. the root of it. Exactly. Gotcha. Like, all right, yo, let's do a collab with this. Or like, mm-hmm. like, nah, that doesn't really like fit into what we're trying to do. Yeah. And I think a lot of people feel, some people might feel a certain way about collective because we don't really collab with everyone. Um, you know what I mean? And um, it's not because we don't want to support other people or we think other stuff is like weak or whatever, but... We have a vision and we have 
a specific, you know, vision for our brand and what that entails and the kind of people that we want to attract and, you know what I mean, the kind of people we want to promote. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we do stuff in that, that wheelhouse and we kind of stay in there. But, but overall, um, I think, yeah, when stuff makes sense, mm-hmm. for sure. The thing, like, for me specifically, like, I know so many people from just growing up. So now that, like, when we're just not doing shit, yeah. so now that everybody has, like, something going on. Very true. If it makes sense to collab, I'll collab. You know what I'm saying? Outside of the wave or whatever. Outside of collective, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, if Ian wanted me to do something. Like, I talk to Ian about events all the time. He never listens to me. Shout out to he Ian. He never listens to anything that I tell him. He'll ask me all these questions, tell me all these ideas. <laughs> and he'll tell like me it. what I think. And I'll be like, he's like, I, and then he just does his own thing anyway. I was like, Ian, you probably shouldn't have 30 artists <laughs> perform at a show. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's like... Yeah, but we got to do it for communities. Like, like, I feel you, but that's just a lot of people. He's like, ah, yeah, you're right, Mal. And he does it just anyway. does something. Yeah, but I mean, that's Ian. That's what Dolph, yeah. I, I also never saved Ian's number because he always gets a new one. Actually, on our first episode, which you're going to listen to tomorrow. Um, Ish. Yes. We actually talked about how I had to go through, like, this self-operation just to get this man's number. Yeah, but it like it changes. Like I don't I literally don't save his number. I yeah. just know it's Ian. He calls you. Yeah. Or like he'll send me like a, a Twitter DM <laughs> like when he's on Twitter like Call sometimes like this is crazy. Mhm. he's crazy, man. It's just that's him. Ian. So in in doing my research and I also just follow you guys too. I'm a huge fan of Collective Boston. Um I noticed that there was like some tension around like the naming of another event that was happening in Boston, right? Um, and there was some back and forth, um, especially around the name being the, the very exact name that you have for your day party. Um, and you tweeted something along the lines of like folks are fighting for a throne that that's not theirs. Would oh, you, you picked up on that? Yes. Wow. Interesting. I, I think I think I actually liked. The tweet. Mm. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that I'm trying to bring bring myself back to that space. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, when it comes to politics of events and parties in Boston, I think there's a very interesting landscape. Um, yes, we were the first day party to market, um, and now there's a few more. Um, but I think. With with how Boston is set up, the black people only you get a sliver of stuff to options. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. The colored folk. I say, is this offensive when I say black? I, say I don't color think it is. Black and PC. brown. Color can get a little. Nobody, yeah. nobody uses brown people. I do sometimes. I I, I, I sometimes say black and brown. People say brown. Yeah. Black and brown. You can say colored. Like a high yellow? What would that be? High yellow. Is that like a brown? red bone? Okay. You just- <laughs> Thanks for making it weird. <laughs> All right. Good job. Get me back on track. <laughs> Jeez. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's you know, Boston in general isn't a, like a great city for colored people to be successful and have fun and live their lives. I just, no. That's a very bold yet true statement. That's how, I mean, I grew up there. Like, I've, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I've just been through that. It's not made for us to be successful. Yeah. Um. So we're marginalized there. So when, you know, something like the name of our party um, 
gets used. I mean, because it's, it's it, we're in, we're in a place where we've been doing away for almost for two and a half years now. Right? Yes, and we service a section of the color community, not the whole color community, because mm-hmm. I we definitely um, we don't kick people out because of music we play, but we're not going to attract a certain type of person based on the type of stuff we'll play. A lot of the things you'll hear at the way, people will think that it's weird music. How so? I mean, like, there are people in the world who don't, who can't listen to, like, a selection joint. They don't, you know, I think you have to have a certain palette, a musical Mm -hmm. palette to, like, you know, digest um, a song without words. A certain vibe, too. Word, like like a hook. Like, I'm not... It's not about like it's not that. There's like there's melodies and all this other stuff with just production. Mm-hmm. Um, but people, a lot of people, uh, especially in Boston, Boston is never usually ahead of the curve when it comes to music and that kind of stuff. No, you know what I'm saying. We're always playing catch up as a city. I think so, as of late, it's it's kind of becoming a little bit different. Like we have a lot of different sounds going on, doing their own thing for sure. Animation. But I think like you know what we were trying to do two and a half years ago, there wasn't that on a, a consistent basis no way I agree like a lot of people don't understand like why would we listen to songs without words in them mm-hmm. like Sango could drop this incredible project and then people are just like what the fuck is this I don't yeah know, I don't, what, is somebody gonna rap on this like it's shit like that him and Esta are probably my favorite do you know what I'm saying so yeah. like people can't understand that and that's mm-hmm. fine it's not for them but to bring it back like you know, when I say we're fighting for a crown, people are fighting for a crown that ain't even theirs. It's like drama over, you know, us just trying to be creative and do something different. It's just not worth it. You know what I'm saying? We already don't have enough. So us mm-hmm. fighting each other or arguing about like little shit like that doesn't help anyone. Um, but when it comes to that specific situation, we've thrown a party in the city for two and a half years straight. Like if you haven't heard of it, and um, then we're doing something wrong. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, you got to leave it at that. Like, all right, cool. You never heard of it. And you named your party. Cool. All right, G. My fault. We got to get up. We got to get better at marketing. Or maybe you're just not in the the audience that we're trying to reach. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Three words, in your opinion, that you think describe the mindset you need to have to kind of like start and build your own brand, whether that be a collective or just like your own personal brand. Courage, truth, and uh, perseverance. Why courage? I mean, if you if you're really trying to build a brand that's about you and mm-hmm. that's true to you, I think you that's you know you got to be brave in a certain way. You got to be courageous to take that step and be like, "All right, this is what we want to do. This is why we're going to do it. Let's see what happens." And kind of how has that influenced the, the work that you do? Because you have your own personal brand, and then I would say you also have your brand within Collective Boston as well. I don't know. I don't know if I have. A, I don't even know what I do. <laughs> yes. I think it's. I think yeah. it's a weird thing. Like I just do shit, but I don't have like a title for it. Like I don't want to call. I'm not a. I'm not a promoter. God no. But I throw. I plan events. Yeah. You know what I'm saying. I book DJs. What's your deal with the title promoter? That's like the second time you've been like, I'm I'm not a promoter. Because of the stigma in Boston of what a promoter is. A shady mm-hmm. motherfucker throwing a shitty ass party. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, because you know, you grow up, I'm telling you, being a dude growing up in Boston, 
Like, you try to go to these parties, you think, all right, this spot's going to be cool. Let's do it. Oh, I know the promoter, blah, blah, blah. These motherfuckers don't care about you. When you're sitting in line for 45 minutes and they're letting in all the shortage, you're just like, yo, this is crazy. For what? There's nobody inside. You know what I'm saying? Like, you just get tired of that shit. So the promoter angle is just like dudes that are just... And the promoter, I have homies that promote events. That's not what it's about. Mm -hmm. It's about the dudes that... You know, only do stuff for money and are very like shitty people. They don't really care about anyone. Oh, just, just girls and just like, all right, cool. We're getting this money. Meet these celebrities. Cool. I'm popping. I'm just, I, that, that kind of guy is something that I just don't like. Grinds your gears. I wouldn't say grinds them. <laughs> Fucks it up a little bit, though. Okay. I'm saying, you know. What are some upcoming projects that Collective Boston is working on? Man, expansion. Hey, it was tell us our why. first event in New York, you know, working on some things. <sighs> Man, working on some things, hopefully, out here soon. Out here, as in West Coast, LA specifically? In Los Angeles. Los yes. Angeles? Maybe a little collab, a little day event. Dre, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, just trying to experiment. We got homies all over the, the country, so just trying to like build with them. And like do cool shit. Like I said, man, I wish I had a wave when I was grad when I just came out of college. I was twenty two going to the wave. Who knows what my life would be like? I'm not saying we're impacting things like that, but a lot of the stuff, the rod reasons I don't even live in Boston right now. A lot and I'm still booking every single wave. I don't live in Boston anymore either. I live in New York. Do you know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it's like a lot of the things I do for the city is to provide stuff for people that are there now that I didn't have. This type of shows, the artists that we bring out, you wouldn't have that. Nobody was doing that on a consistent basis. I don't care who you are or what you say. Like, that wasn't there when I was a kid or when I was a early 20s guy. You know what I mean? So I want to provide those opportunities for culture in Boston. Like, a lot of stuff we do is just to, we do we do a music festival last summer for our community. Like... You had your two-year anniversary, too, with the concert? We do, we do our first concert. Yeah, we work with uh, Treehouse LA. Productions on, um, yeah, uh, on Beanfest. Yes. At, uh, I remember that. Law and D. Like, and that was just good talent. Well, we wanted, the point of that was to showcase to everyone in Boston the talent that we had within our city. Mm-hmm. So most of the people were all local acts. I don't, trap I think, karaoke. I'm sorry, trap orchestra. Right. Mm-hmm. I used to trap orchestra. Um, I was actually talking to trap karaoke dudes today. No doubt. Um, but yeah, um, it's just to create these cultural moments. Because I know I don't have to live in Boston anymore, but it's for the people that do want to make life a little easier. Absolutely. A little better, for sure. Well, thank you so much for being on this show and being the character and the true self. I don't. I don't. I feel like I'm just being. I wish you could see this man's face throughout this entire interview. It's 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 very interesting for sure. So when this drops, Mm. you have to use the tag share yo share shit every Monday. Do I have to do that? You have to. Is this? Let me tell you. Are you talking to me or let me tell you why for the interview? No, this is gonna be included in the interview. I'm confused. Let me tell you why because. I feel like, not just in Boston, but in a lot of cities, a lot of young folks are kind of on their own island or in their own pockets mm-hmm. of things. And we don't share enough of like either milestones that we, we've we hit or even just stuff we're just like working on and need some encouragement to keep going and to keep progressing in or uh, some feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
So you're going to do it? I feel weird about that. Why do you feel weird about it? I don't know. I don't like talking about myself at all. We spent uh, a huge portion, if yeah, we not the really talking about me? Yeah, we were. Not really. I learned that you shave your head every single day. That wasn't on the interview. Now it is. <laughs> you said that was off. You just said that was like, all right, this is off the record. And you're just going to bring this shit up. Share your shit Mondays. What kind of journalistic integrity is that? <laughs> Share your shit Mondays. Be a part of the community. Sharing and learning from each other. It's all a process. Mm-hmm. We're all going through it. Even if it's a milestone, like you you working out, it's your first year getting into that. Like it doesn't have to be necessarily like a positive thing that's happening. Just a flick of whatever you're working on. Sharing with folks. It's refreshing to know that it takes a process to go through things. Like people may look at you and think, oh, like he just started off as as a shit. He just, he just came off, out perfect, right? Just came out, yeah. Ready, Lucky good to him. go. Crazy life, let me tell you. I did, but I think the um, <laughs> important thing, I can tell you one thing I'm excited about. What are you excited about? Man, I linked up with my homie Drew from Rhode Island. He brought probably a really good dude for you to interview too. Yes. Is he a part of uh, Drew PBD? Korea. I don't know. No, that's maybe that's Drew Barr. Okay. Maybe that's um white dude. Um, I think it's like it's like a collective in Providence. Yo, there, there's a Drew. That's that's one Drew. Yes. Um, he's the one that works at Bodega. There's another Drew that lives out here. Um, that worked with Aftermath for a while on the Compton project. Very dope. Helped bring Anderson into that project. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we were just talking about him and his original name. Yeah. Yeah. Breezy Lovejoy. We love him. Yeah, he's dope. Um, but yeah, I just want to talking to him about probably doing some events out here. And then there's this idea I had for a while I wanted to do like last um, winter where I would just like sit down and like do like in-depth interviews with a bunch of like my homies that were in the industry. Very cool. And then have like an illustrator like based on the interviews um, create um like uh not a comic book but like uh them as a superhero but illustrated as a superhero that's very cool and I wanted to call it like super friends um and just do i was just gonna do it and like and have a website put it on my website and just release it but i was talking to drew and you know we might might make a make it a thing very make cool a thing, a little yeah might be a little magazine or something i'm excited something, to see something it fly right out we'll see all right malcolm Thank you, sir. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. Special thank yous to Collective Boston and Native Sun for our initial introduction music in the background. Additional shout outs to Dalvin Beats and the Bad Decisions Collective for our other musical tunes. Also, thank yous to Creator K and Andrea for our logos. Production and editing on today's episode were both done by myself. Please make sure to download, like, subscribe, share the podcast. You can find episodes on our site, firstyearproject.com, iTunes, and SoundCloud. And if you're using it via iTunes, please make sure to leave us a review. Guys, the reviews are really, really helpful to keep the show going. So many thanks for uh, getting that done for us. I have a really special treat for you all tomorrow, so make sure to be on the lookout for any updates that we post on our website, firstyearproject.com, as well as on Twitter and on Instagram. Our handles on there are firstyearprj. Once again, our handles on there are firstyearprj. Peace. Thank you.